You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. What I want to do is I want to, again, just just as a point of review, I know last weekend was a holiday weekend, and so I, I want to just lay some groundwork and kind of share with you. We're talking about God's promise of protection that's found in the 91st Psalm. And so I want to just tell you how this came about and uh, just remind you of this, and then we'll move on. I probably won't make these comments again for the next uh, few parts of this series. But uh, as you well know, about 10 days ago, uh, the, the horrible events that took place in Uvalde, Texas, with the, the children that were killed in the school and so forth, of course, it weighed heavy on my heart, as I'm sure it did yours. And so, you know, and just praying about that. And I often, when things like that happen on a national level, I go to the Lord and I say, Lord, what would you have me to do or say as a pastor about those things? Sometimes he, he leads me not to say anything at all uh, because there's nothing that I could say. Uh, but in this situation, I, I firmly believe that the Lord ministered to me and uh, I heard him clearly, and he said this. He said, no parent of mine, talking about a parent that belongs to him, should have to live in fear when they send their child to school. And God's will is not that his children live in fear. And so he told me, he said, what I want you to do is I want you to go and go to Psalm 91 and teach them what the Word says about his promise of divine protection and how we can live and walk in it. You know, we're in this world, but we're not of this world, Jesus said. And so I'm glad that we have the ability to be able to uh, believe the Word of God, stand in faith in the Word of God, and God will do, as we've already sung this morning, what He said He would do. Now, I also want to just mention this. I never want to use people's material and not give them credit for it. So a lot of the content for this particular series came from this book uh, by Sister Gloria Copeland that uh, she wrote about the promise of protection from the 91st Psalm. If you would like to download this book, you can if you go to, if you want to write this down, KCM for Kenneth Copeland Ministries, but kcm.org forward slash no fear, N-O-F-E-A-R, one word, and it will uh, let you download a file that has this book in it. You can read the PDF and, and get into those things. So here's what I want to do. I want to review just for a few moments. Yes, ma'am? KCM.org, O-R-G, and then forward slash, forward slash, no fear, N-O-F-E-A-R, one word. And it'll automatically uh, take you to a download where you can download the ebook for this. And uh, it'll be a blessing to you. So let me show you a couple of scriptures we looked at last week. And I want to see if this sounds familiar to you. Back in the days, uh, just prior to the flood, when, when God was dealing with Noah, he said this to Noah in Genesis chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. And I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. It says this, the earth was depraved and putrid in God's sight, and the land was filled with violence, desecration, infringement, outrage, assault, and lust for power. Does that sound kind of familiar? You know, as I said to you last week, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, the things that we see today, yeah, they might be amplified to us because of news media and social media and those types of things, but there is nothing new. Verse 12 says this, And God looked upon the world and saw how degenerate, debased, and vicious it was for all humanity had corrupted their way upon the earth and lost their true direction. You know, really, that's the problem with humanity is human, human beings, apart from a relationship with God, really have no direction in their lives. And so that's why we see a lot of the things in the world that we see. But I want to point your attention to verse 14, something that the Lord told Noah, rather, he said this, I want you to make yourself an ark. Now, of course, in this context, he was telling Noah to build an ark made of wood, gave him very specific dimensions and length and breadth and height and how to, you know, what wood to use and all this type of thing. And of course, I'm not, 
in, you know, pretending to tell you that you need to go home and physically build an ark. But I love what this principle says, and that is this, that we need to build an ark out of the Word of God. Because if you think about what the purpose of the ark was, the purpose of the ark was to protect Noah and his family from the events that were to come to pass in the earth. And what God is telling us is that we, through the Word of God and believing the promises of God, can construct an ark that we and our family, our media family, our household, that we can get into and we can be safe from the things that transpire in this world. I want to say this to you. You know, I've often, as I've been preparing for this series and studying these things, you know, I've often thought what people might think, people that, you know, might not be uh, as godly as you all are, but might, might say, you know, pastor, this sounds just too far-fetched, that God will protect my kids and keep my kids from harm at school or keep me from harm on the road or, or those types of things. Well, here's what I want you to see, that if you will dare to believe the word of God, because here's what it boils down to. Do you believe God's a liar or not? And I know you, you, you don't believe God's a liar. So if God tells the truth, then we are able to stand on the word of God and we in our households can be safe. Amen. Now, here's what I want to do. I want us to look at the foundation for this particular series, and that's found in Psalm 91. And I'm going to read all 16 verses of Psalm 91 because this is the promise. I gave you a homework assignment last week, and those of you who weren't here, you can still get caught up. And that is this. I want you to read the 91st Psalm every day for the month of June. So I want you to take it. I want you to read through it. Read through it more than once if you want to. But, uh, you know, and don't make it just a chore where you're checking it off your, your to-do list. I want it to be something where you read it and you think about it. And my desire in the course of this series is to shed light on what was going on and what, what God is telling us in this psalm so that it becomes very real to you and me. So here we go. Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways." In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So there's a lot there. By the way, as we said last week, most people assume that uh, as David wrote a good portion of the book of Psalms, that he wrote this Psalm. He did not. Moses wrote Psalm 90 and Psalm 91. There's some context that I won't get into today, but uh, this, the time frame in which Moses wrote this was the time at about that they were... Uh, sending the spies into the promised land. You remember the 12 spies that went in to spy out the land. And you remember 10 came back with the bad report, two had the good report, Joshua and Caleb. And so then because of their disobedience, their doubt and unbelief, they had to wander around in the wilderness for 40 more years. And so this is the time period in which Moses wrote this particular Psalm of protection. Now in verse one, it says, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. So last week 
we spent some time just getting out of the way the conditions that you have to meet in order to step into God's protection. So write this down on your notes, please, if you would. The person who meets the conditions of God's protection is someone who dwells and abides in him. Now, as, the, as we shared with you last week, the Lord really uh, brought it home to us in a, in a sense that it's time for us as believers to fully commit to our relationship with God and to decide, okay, I am going to dwell in him. I'm going to make my home in him. That's what abide means. So I am fully committed. You know, I'm not trying to keep one foot in the world and one foot in church. No, let's just make a decision that we're going to be all in and that we're giving the Lord 100% of our lives. And that's the condition that he's looking for. As long as you meet that condition, which to me is not too much to ask. So as long as we're meeting that condition, we qualify for his protection. So turn to somebody close by and ask them, are you meeting the conditions? Tell them, tell them real strong, yes, I am. <laughs> okay? Now, going on, there is something else in this psalm that the Lord, of course, the Holy Spirit, by Moses writes to us, and he says there's something else that happens. There's something else important about the person who lives in the protective care and the shadow of the Almighty, and that is this. Write this down, please. He speaks words of faith. The person who dwells in the secret place of the Most High speaks words of faith. Now, this is probably uh, the most... I'm, I'm going to take this entire message, and I'm going to focus on uh, verse 2 of Psalm 91, where the psalmist wrote, he said this, I will say. Notice he didn't say, I will think of the Lord. I'll believe it in my heart. No, he said, I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. So this message is going to be spent entirely on verse two only. Now this, again, will be the last week that we'll do this. We'll start picking up the pace. By the way, and I'm not sure what week it's going to be, but we're going to talk about angels in the course of this series because, and that's something I've never taught on. The Lord has dealt with me to begin to talk about that. You, can I tell you why? You want to know a little secret? Okay, thank you for those two people. If you'll stay after, I'll tell you and the rest. Everybody can, no, I'm just kidding. Here's the thing that you need to understand is that the closer we get to the return of the Lord Jesus and the end of the age, the more angelic activity we're going to experience. So you need to know something about angels. Somebody said, I don't know if I believe in those. Well, that's okay. They work for believers, all right? And so, but they are real. They do exist. They're in this room right now. As I told you last week, there's one or two that stand up here and help me preach. And so, uh, and, and if you fall asleep, I send them back there to wake you up. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Now look at this verse in the Amplified. The Amplified Bible says this, I will say of the Lord, same thing. He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. On him I lean and rely and in him I confidently trust. And so what I want you to see is, is that this person, the psalmist, the person that's dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, when he does this, when he says these words, he's doing more than just trusting God in his heart. He is saying it with his mouth. And this is extremely important. Now, I'm going to tell you, give you three points here. I want you to write these things down. Okay, now here's why this is so important. Here we go. Faith brings God's supernatural power into this natural realm. Faith is the doorway. Faith is the invitation. Faith is what gives God permission to move in your life and to pour out his ability, his supernatural ability in your life. And so God is just looking for faith in the hearts of people. If you'll recall in Jesus' ministry, you remember that there were times when he would comment where he, he had a couple of Gentile people, two separate occasions that came to him for healing, 
And because of the, the words and the actions that they demonstrated, he said, I have not seen such great faith. So it's possible to have great faith. And then on another instance, he turned around and rebuked his disciples and said, where is your faith? Your little, and he called them. He said, oh, you of little faith. So it's possible to have great faith. It's possible to have little faith. I don't know about you, but I want great faith. And great faith is the person that dares to believe God's word. And in believing that, we give God the invitation to be able to move in our lives and to pour out his supernatural power into the natural realm. Here's the next thing I want you to write down, and that is this. Faith is released into this natural realm with words and our actions. So, so if faith is what invites God to move in our lives, then how do I use my faith? How do I release my faith? Well, you release your faith, put it, into, put it to work with your words and your actions. Okay, so James tells us, we won't turn there for the sake of time, but James tells us this. James said, I ought to be able to see your faith by your corresponding actions. So faith is not just something we say, it's something we say and do. How many of you know words are cheap sometimes, okay? So what God is looking for is he's looking for us to not only have words of faith, but some corresponding actions to go with it. But faith is what, and the way we release our faith, in other words, the way we employ our faith, put it to work, is by the words of our mouth and the actions that we display, all right? Now, Here's the third thing I want you to write down, and that is this. Very often, we underestimate the power of our words. We often underestimate the power and the importance of what we say. Your words carry weight. Somebody say, me? Yes, you. I don't care if you think you're the most insignificant person Walking the face of the planet, your words are important. What you say matters. Okay, so let's look at some scriptures that tie into this. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 18, verses 20 and 21. Now, let me just prep you ahead of time and say this. The next few verses we're getting ready to read are going to be kind of in your face. So can you handle it? Turn to somebody close by and say, He's, it's getting ready to get tight, so can you handle it? Okay, tell them this. Yes, I can. All right. Proverbs 18, verses 20 through 21 says this. A man's stomach, not literally the organ, the stomach, but your, your being shall be satisfied from the fruit of your mouth, from the produce of your lips, or let's say it this way, what your lips produce, which are words, you shall be filled. Verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those that love it will eat its fruit. So your words are important enough to where, according to Solomon, your words either carry life or they carry death. And look at your life, examine your life, and I will say this, your life is a manifestation of the words that you said yesterday. If there is death and destruction in your life personally, then I would have to say, based on the word of God, that it's, it's the words that you spoke yesterday that laid the groundwork for that to happen. If you're experiencing life and the things that God wants us to experience, it's because you laid the groundwork for that with your words yesterday. So somebody says, but I don't, I'm not real happy with my life right now. Well, can I say this? Change what you're saying. Okay. Now, let's look at some scriptures that support what I just said. James chapter 3, or I tell you what, let's no, read the Good News translation of the Proverbs 18, excuse me. Look at this. This is where I was kind of telling you it was in your face a little bit. You will have to live with the consequences of everything you say. Ouch. Okay? What you say can preserve life or destroy it, so you must accept the consequences of your words. Man, if we really took that to heart, uh, there's a whole lot we wouldn't be able to say. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right. So let's look at James chapter 3. 
Look at verses 2 through 5, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation, and James says this, We all fall or fail in many areas, but especially with our words. Yet if we're able to bridle the words we say, we are powerful enough to control ourselves in every way. And that means our character is mature and fully developed. Horses have bits and bridles in their mouths so that we can control and guide their large body. Now I want to stop right here and just make a couple of comments. Um, I have family members that are in the horse business in, down in Florida and uh, they train horses. Uh, I have one family member that sells horse tack saddles and all that type of thing. So I've been around it a little bit enough to know that if you want to train a horse, what you have to do is you have to put something on the head of that horse called a bridle. Now, the bridle is a piece of metal that fits into the horse's mouth and rests right on top of their tongue. And attached to that bridle are the reins with which if you are riding on the horse, if you want to change the direction the horse is going, you pull on one set of reins or the other. And what the reins do is they apply pressure to the mouth and the tongue of the horse and cause the horse to pull in the direction or go in the direction that you pull the reins. So what James is telling us is, if you want to change the direction of your life, do like you do a horse and put pressure on your mouth. Are you listening to me? Okay. Now, he goes on to say this, and the same in verse 4, with mighty ships, though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. So he goes on to tell us, you know, here we have these humongous ships. If You know, think of a giant cruise ship. That ship is steered by a rudder primarily that is much, 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 much smaller than the overall size of that ship. But yet that small rudder is able to turn the direction of that ship. So what James is telling us is the tongue is a very small thing physically in comparison to the rest of your body but it is determining the direction that your life is going. So he goes on to say in verse 5, And so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries a great power. Just think of how a small flame can set a huge forest ablaze. So what James is telling us is your words carry great weight and determine the direction of your life. So I want to say this again. If you want to change the direction of your life, Start with what's coming out of your mouth first, okay? Then when you apply pressure, you, you, can I tell you this? A lot of people, and, and we see this at the beginning of the year and so forth, when people want to make major changes to their lives, we call it New Year's resolutions and so forth. The problem is a lot of times people go at it and attack the exterior, attack the circumstances in their lives without doing anything to address what is the real cause of the problem, and that is this thing right here. I promise you, if you make up your mind that you're going to go work out at the gym, and you're going to work out, and you're going to work out, and you're going to work out, but your words are constantly saying things like, I can't believe how fat I am. I can't believe how overweight I am. I don't feel like going to the gym. I don't feel like being disciplined, da, 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 and you know, so forth and so on. Your words are already defeating you. Are, are you tracking with me? Okay, so this is what James is telling us. So let's look at verses 7 and 8 in that same chapter. James goes on to say, For every wild animal on earth, including birds, creeping reptiles, and creatures of the sea and land, have all been overpowered and tamed by humans. But the tongue is not able to be tamed. It's a fickle, unrestrained evil that spews out words full of toxic poison. Now, let me say this to you. I want to add a little parenthetical thing in here to bring some clarity. James did not tell you your tongue cannot be tamed. He said this, animals have been tamed by humans, but the tongue cannot be tamed by humans. The tongue can only be tamed by the word of God and the Spirit of God, 
working in your life, but it can be tamed. You just can't tame it in your own strength and your own ability. So if you want to change what you say, yeah, you can muster up some willpower and maybe have an effect, but that's only going to be temporary and last so long. If you want everlasting change in what you're, what's coming out of your mouth, you're going to have to use the Word of God and the Spirit of God to uh, bring effect and, and lasting change in your life. So write this down, please. God has given us the ability, excuse me, went too far. God has given us the ability to use his word to bring our tongues under control, okay? So there, you, you are not without help. I remember when I was a young man, uh, you know, a teenager, I had, uh, I had built up a, a means of defense by using my words because I was always small. I was always the runt of the group that I ran around with, uh, you know, and just all those types of things. And, you know, I'm not exceptionally tall now. All right. Okay. But what I learned to do to be a defense mechanism was I figured out how I could use my words to attack you before you had a chance to attack me. And so, you know, uh, I'm ashamed to say, uh, you know, I could cuss with the best of them. I could lay into you before you had a chance to even blink twice, all right? Now, obviously, once I got born again, and especially being a preacher, I can't do that anymore, okay? That wouldn't go over too well, would it? You know, I'd probably not have a church very long at all. But here's my point. Early on, I I realized I'm going to have to change my vocabulary. I'm going to have to change what I say. Now, Jesus said this. We won't turn to it for the sake of time, but out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the problem was I had a bunch of garbage in my heart that needed to be rooted out and replaced with the word of God so my words could, could come forth out of the deposit of what I had put into my heart. So that's what you and I have to do. If, you know, hopefully you're, I'm not describing you when I talk about me in that sense, but I want you to understand if there are things that come out of your mouth that you do not like and you know are contrary to the word of God, contrary to what pleases God, then I want you to understand the way that you're going to do that is change it by what you're depositing into your heart. And it's a process. Everybody say process, Okay. Now, you got born again, and it was instantaneous, but those types of things are a process, and they take time to change, okay? So don't beat yourself up if you don't become perfect like me overnight. (laughs) Joke. All right, so let's go on with this. Let's talk about, let's look at something Jesus taught us about the power of our words. So we, we understand words carry weight, and they're extremely powerful, But let's go over to Mark chapter 11, and I want to teach you a little simple faith lesson here about the words of your mouth. And so we're going to look at an incident that happened in Jesus' ministry. So Mark chapter 11, let me lay some groundwork for you. Jesus and the disciples, this is the last full seven days of Jesus' life and ministry. This is seven days before he goes to the cross. And What was happening is, is he was spending the night in a suburb of Jerusalem called Bethany. He would go out there and he he and the disciples would sleep. And then every day they would walk the short distance and go into Jerusalem. And they would carry on their business and do what Jesus needed to do. And then in the evening, they'd go back out to Bethany and that's where they would sleep every evening. So Jesus, they were... uh, going from Bethany into Jerusalem. So let's pick up here in verse 12 of Mark 11. It says, Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Now, just so you know, fig trees... In, in Jesus' area, in the Middle East, in Israel, where he was, typically, when it's time for them to produce fruit, they bring forth new leaves. 
So what was happening is this fig tree was portraying something that it was not producing. By the way, the same thing is, just a little side note, the same thing is true for us when we, when Jesus examines the fruit that we're bearing, if we look like we're bearing fruit and we're actually not, it's not going to go over too well. Okay, let's see what happened. No side note, don't focus on that. Verse 14, in response, Jesus said to it. Now, in response, Jesus said to it. What is the it he's responding to? Somebody tell me. The fig tree. So Jesus is talking to a thing, isn't he? Okay. Now, notice it says in response. The old King James says, Jesus answering said unto it. So the last time I looked, the fig tree didn't ask anything. But Jesus is responding to it, okay? So in response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again, and his disciples heard it. So notice, this is not something Jesus thought. This is not something Jesus just kind of muttered to himself. This is something he openly spoke, and his disciples heard it with their audible ears on the side of their heads, okay? So Let's fast forward. So they go into Jerusalem, they do some things, and now they're coming back out. Let's look at verse 19. When evening had come, he went out of the city. So they go and spend the night in Bethany. Now the next morning, so 24 hours later, it says, now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. I want you to pay close attention to that little phrase that the fig tree was dried up from the what? Where was it dried up from? Okay. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Or, or the actual Greek text says, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. So Jesus is getting ready to explain to us what the God kind of faith looks like. Verse 23, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, wait, 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 Jesus, we were talking about a tree. Now you switched over, you're talking about a mountain. Now, just to give you a little context, the area in which they were standing was an elevated piece of ground and way off in the distance, you could see the Dead Sea. So, and, and in Jesus' time, they called mountain, the hills were mountains to them, all right? So, Jesus said this, Assuredly, I say, whoever says to this mountain, this plot of ground that we're standing on, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his what? Say it again. But believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So let me tell you what Jesus just said. In verse 23, Jesus said this. Now notice prayer is not mentioned in verse 23 one time. Believing and saying are mentioned in verse 23. Praying is in verse 24. So he's using or giving us two applications of faith. The first one is this, if you speak unto the mountain and tell it to be removed and you believe in your heart and you do not doubt that the things which you say will come to pass, you will have whatever you say. Now, I know there's a lot of people that don't believe what I'm telling you, but listen, it's because they don't believe what Jesus said. I didn't write this. Jesus said this. He said, if you will speak to your mountain and believe in your heart that what you say comes to pass, you, and not doubt, you will have whatever you say. All right, let me say it one more time. Jesus said, if you speak and believe that the words you say will come to pass and not doubt you can have what you say. Am I telling the truth? Is that what Jesus said? Okay. Do you believe? Now he said, 
uh, in the first part of that verse, whoever. If you're a whoever in here, would you raise your hand, please? Okay, that's all of us. So all of us qualify for this verse right here, all right? Now, I want to take just a moment, and I want to talk about, Jesus said this. He said, if you will believe and not doubt in your heart. So let me tell you what doubt is. Let me give you a definition, okay? In the Greek language, which the New Testament was written in, the word for doubt is diakrinomai, or my e rather, which means to hesitate, to waver, to doubt, or to differ. Now, this is very important, all right? And I'm not trying to be detailed to bore you, but listen to me carefully. Jesus said, if you will believe in your heart that what you say comes to pass and not doubt in your heart, you can have what you say. So what Jesus just got through telling us is that if you will believe in your heart and not doubt in your heart, and let's use these words, if you won't hesitate, waver, or differ in your heart, you can have what you say. All right, so let me, let me say this to you. In context, Jesus is saying that when a person's heart doesn't differ from what his mouth is saying, the combination of the heart and mouth in agreement will always release the power in the word of God. That is huge. And maybe it's not dawning on you right now. I promise you, listen, if it hits you on the car, in the car on the way home, please pull off the road, okay? I don't want you having a wreck, all right? But here's what I want you to see, that if you can get the words coming out of your mouth to align with what you believe in your heart, Jesus said your words will come to pass. Didn't he? Okay. So write this down, please. The next, next blank is, we call this concept the heart-mouth connection. Somebody said, well, I tried that faith business and it didn't work with me. Well, here's why. Because you tried it, number one, then number two, there was not a connection between what the words that were coming out of your mouth were and what you believed in your heart. There was a disconnect there. And I have found people really mean well, they're really trying, and I'm not knocking people, but sometimes when they're endeavoring to believe God, they are trying to say the right things, but they haven't done what's necessary to get the connection down into their heart. Jesus said, it's what you say and what you believe in your heart, that's what comes to pass, all right? Now, a little side note. Can I give you a little side note? This is free of charge, won't cost you anything. All right, listen to me carefully. It is possible for you to have faith in your heart and doubt in your head, and your faith still work. Okay, what do I mean by that? You can be believing God for something that, that well, let me, let me ask you a question. How many of you, are born again in here, okay? How many of you, after you gave your heart to Christ, and it probably happened very close to the time that you submitted your life to Jesus and you were born again, that did you have thoughts that said, you know what, I'm not sure anything really happened, okay? Guess what that is? That's a thought of doubt in your head, but no, you really gave your heart to Christ, okay? So what happens? Well, you deal with that thought and you don't let it get down in your heart, okay? So here's where the disconnect is with some people is that they, are, they start out in faith, they're believing God, the thoughts of doubt come, and, and I'm gonna use a children's church term for you, not to insult your intelligence, but it'll help you understand it. I got this from Willie George, okay? The way thoughts go from your head to your heart is they ride the elevator of your mouth, okay? So if you want to keep thoughts out of your heart, don't put words to them, and they will die unborn, okay? A a am I helping anybody? Okay, all right. So when you're believing God, now, and there's a, I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere with all this, so hang with me, okay? So when you are believing God for healing in your body or for a financial need to be met, 
then what you need to make sure that you're doing is when those thoughts of doubt pop into your mind, and that happens to all of us, it's not going to work this time. You know, the, 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 the pain is just really bad. You, that, I don't know if, that, if God really healed you. Okay, when those thoughts come, don't put words to those thoughts and let there be a connection between your heart and those thoughts, and those thoughts will die unborn. They, they will not produce fruit in your life. But the moment you begin to put words to them, You've allowed them to ride the elevator of your mouth and get down into your heart. Does that make sense to you? Okay. All right. So what do we do? Well, here's, let's, let's dive into this a little bit further. Okay. Write this down, please. God's creative power is released when the heart and mouth get into agreement. God's creative power is released when the heart and mouth get into agreement. So I want you to remember, think about what Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three. Notice he didn't say, pray about the mountain. He didn't say, go to God and talk to God about the mountain. Now, God doesn't have any problem with you talking to him about his, your mountain. Okay, but that's not the answer to deal with your mountain. What did Jesus say that you need to do? He said you need to make sure there's a heart and mouth connection, and if there is, talk to your mountain, and it's got to be removed. Okay, that's what he said. He said, don't ask God to move the mountain for you. There's nothing wrong with praying about your mountain, but that's not enough. Talk to your mountain. I want you to write something down just in the margin or somewhere on your notes, please. Answer it. Two words. Answer it. Somebody said, it didn't ask me a question. It doesn't matter. Jesus talked to stuff all the time that didn't ask him questions. Remember uh, the tree? The Bible says he answered it. There's some stuff you need to start answering. There's some things the devil's throwing at you that you need to start answering. There's some circumstances in your life that you need to start answering. Talk to it. Use your words. We've already read where death and life are in the power of the tongue. Use your words to change your circumstances. Okay? Now, God's, again, God's creative power is released when the heart and mouth get into agreement. So, and I made, made mention in, in the reading of that verse, you remember what Peter pointed out? Master, look at the tree, how it's dried up from the, the what? Say it again, the what? Okay. Here's a little side note, another little side note. You can, this is free. This won't cost you anything. All right, listen to me. When you begin to talk to stuff and you speak your words of faith in the word of God to your circumstances, it doesn't affect the leaves and the stem first. It affects the root. Your words go to work in a realm where you can't see them before they show up in the realm where you can see them. Oh, pastor, I said that three times and I didn't see anything happen. That doesn't mean it wasn't working. It just was working in a realm where you can't see it. But what you need to understand is in a plant, if you affect the roots, it's going to show up sooner or later in the stem and the leaves. Trust me. Okay? So you need to understand when you begin to use your words and you speak God's word, you need to understand it is going to work. It's designed to go to work, but it's working where you can't see it first and then it shows up where you can see it. That's why you got to stay with it. That's why I'm, I'm glad I pastor a church of people that are in it to win it. Am I? Okay, I thought it was. I, I wasn't too sure. All right, here we go. All right, so let me, let me wind this up. Look at Psalm 91 verse 2 again. Notice what the psalmist said. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. And then we'll talk about the rest that you can be saying from that psalm as well. But here's what I want you to begin to do. 
is as you are reading Psalm 91 and you're getting it down into your heart, I want you to begin saying this. Lord, I believe you are my refuge, my fortress, my God, and you do I trust. Surely you shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. What you need to do is you need to begin to proclaim those things over your life, over your children's life, over your household, over your stuff. And what you're doing is you're giving God an invitation to begin to move and to manifest his power in your life. Don't, 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 please parents, listen to me. Don't send your kids out of your house without declaring the word over your children. Gather them up. I don't care if it's two seconds. Gather them up and just declare and say, in the name of Jesus, I declare you're going to have a good day. You're going to have a safe day that God watches over you. He protects you. The angels are encamped around about you. And, and like I declare over you, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And begin to do that. Put it in motion. Psalm 91 verse 2 in the Message Bible says this. Say this. God, you are my refuge. I trust in you and I'm safe. That's why I never get on an airplane. Like I told you last week. I never get on an airplane without declaring this over my life. And you know what? And y'all can think I'm crazy. I really don't care what you think about this. All right. But I am determined, I don't, listen, I don't care if we're flying at 32,000 feet, the wings fall off, the, engine, the engines fall off, I'm walking away from this thing. Somehow, some way, somebody say, that's just crazy. All right, that's fine. If you're on my flight, consider yourself blessed, all right? Okay, but I'm just saying, that's how convinced I am of this. Now, 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 listen. There are some things that you need to do in the natural. Somebody said, well, you know, do you believe that God protects us in our church service? Yes, yes, I believe God protects us. I believe the angels are in this room. But I also have an angel in the back of the room with a dark uniform on that is thoroughly equipped to enforce our protection in the natural. Okay? Somebody says, well, does that contradict your faith? No, not at all. Not at all. You know, matter of fact, I counted an honor and a privilege to have he and his friends here with us. And I don't do it because I'm scared. Okay, I'm not scared. I just do it as an added protection so that people can be at peace. You don't know, when we first started having the officers come and working security for us, the number of people that came to me and said, Pastor, thank you for doing that because what it does is it just, it, it, yeah, we trust God's word, but it just keeps your mind from fighting with you the whole time. You can just shut all that down and say, hey, we got help. Amen? So, yeah, if you need to do some things, listen, I'm not telling you, ride around in your car without your seatbelt on at claiming Psalm 91. Put your seatbelt on. Don't drive like an idiot, Okay. Some of you drive so fast, you leave your angels behind. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying, all right? Okay, don't do that. Slow down. You know, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm being funny, but, you know, God really dealt with me uh, at the end of last year because, you know, I'd gotten a little, little uh, sloppy with some things, and he said, you need to, you need to drive the speed limit. And I, and I said, really? He said, yeah. Number one, because it's the law. And number two, it's the right thing to do. And when you do the right thing when nobody is looking is when it's going to show up when everybody is looking. Okay? Now, somebody says, do you ever speed? Me and Jesus, we're working on that. Okay? It's a work in progress. All right? But I, I'm telling you, you know, I'm learning to make some adjustments like that. So here's what I want you to to begin to do, again, as you're reading Psalm 91, I want you, listen, don't read it silently. Read it out loud. Go back to old school, first grade like we used to. Just take your finger and read it out loud and let those words begin to permeate down into your heart. 
So you can begin to say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him will I trust. And there will be a connection between what is here and what's coming out of here. And I promise you, it will go into effect in Jesus' name. Amen? Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, we love you so much and I thank you for your word today. I thank you that your word is alive and sharper than a two-edged sword. Father, I thank you that we're leaving here today and the word has brought faith into our hearts. And Lord, we understand the power of our words and how we can lean and trust in you. And that Father, as we've already declared, you will never ever not come through and fulfill the fullness of your word. And so Lord, I thank you and praise you that we're doing what you want us to do. We're using our faith and we're opening the door for you to move in our lives, to protect us, to keep us safe, to keep our families safe, to keep us healthy, to keep us whole. And Father, we thank you for it. Lord, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice this morning that in Jesus' name, that they will release their faith, Lord, and see you move in their lives like never before. That Father, I believe we're coming into a time right now where in Jesus' name that you are calling us to come up higher, to step into the fullness of what you have for us. Matter of fact, Lord, I thank you for what you told me in the car on the way to church. Listen to what the Lord said. I'm gonna try and and get that up out of my spirit again. But he said this, he said that my people are living so far below what I intend for them to live. But it's time that we come up. It's time that we go higher. It's time that we walk in his ways, his methods, his procedures, so that we can experience the kind of life he wants us to live and we can fulfill the destiny that God has put upon our lives to change this world. In Jesus' name, Father, we decide right now to put our total trust and confidence in you, to let go of our confidence in this world and to lean upon you and your goodness. Father, we're, we're going to strive and to pursue after everything that you have for us. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And we love you, Father, and we praise you and worship you with our whole hearts today in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus. If you receive that today, can you just say, thank you, Jesus? Say this after me. Thank you, Lord, for my protection. Thank you, Lord, that you are my protector. You're my safety. You are my shield. You're my refuge. You are my fortress. You are my defense, my weaponry, and I look to you. Thank you, Lord, for fulfilling your word in my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.